She was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I am your host, Sarah Gorski, and holy shit, 2023 is over. I thought that it was never going to end. I don't really have any idea what your 2023 was like, all y'all listening, but mine was like an absolute shit show. And it felt like every time I slayed one dragon, another dragon popped up. And literally, I was driving to the grocery store on December 31st, and my check engine light came on. And it felt like the most on-brand thing that 2023 could have possibly done on the very last day. But now, it is over. (sighs) And I feel like it's safe to finally talk about 2023 and podcast about it. And so I'm here to say sayonara 2023 and suck it. And now let's talk about broads in 2023. I like to do every year on the podcast here, I like to do a recap of some of the broads that we lost last year. So let's just take a couple of minutes to talk about some of the like really notable losses. This is not really a very comprehensive list. It's really kind of the broads that stuck out to me as broads who I think uh, have a really iconic place in at least American history. Uh, Admittedly, I don't cover much of the world in today's pod, even though women all around the world did amazing things. Um, But the broads who had kind of crossed my pathway just generically in life and then in, in some of my research here. So Two of them we talked about very recently, actually. So I'm not gonna go very in-depth in them, but first of all, we have Sandra Day O'Connor, the first female justice of the Supreme Court. We lost her this year, very recently, at the end of the year. And, you know, I think Chloe and I talked about her a little bit in, uh, we did a little recap toast to her and to Rosalind Carter, our next broad. Um, There were lots of things I didn't know about her. Uh, I didn't know that she was actually kind of a conservative justice, like a Republican, but now by today's standards and how extreme the Supreme Court's gotten, she probably would be more of a moderate, almost considered a liberal. Um, But despite that fact, uh, the party then was not the party of today, and she did a lot of amazing things for women in her work on the Supreme Court. Uh, And so she was quite quite an icon in American history. And then of course we have Rosalind Carter, sweet Jimmy Carter's wife who passed uh, very recently. And for me, she's always stood out as this kind of beacon of somebody who just does good in the world, like a female Mr. Rogers, her and her husband, uh, former president Jimmy Carter, both just have been working for Habitat for Humanity even into their 80s and 90s and they continue to serve the people and that's what they've always done. And I have a personal appreciation for people who really walk the walk in that department because I think a lot of politicians and their families will say that that's what they're all about and that's what they do, but they're not really the ones that are hammering the nails and getting it done. And so Rosalind Carter 
was, um, yeah, another, another icon of American history. So next we also lost, and many Californians will know, and I think also lots of people because it was in the news widely, but we lost Diane Feinstein. And there is a lot to say about this broad. Maybe one day I'm going to do a whole episode on her, but for the sake of keeping this particular episode moving, I just want to make sure that we acknowledge that the last couple of years of her life, wherein she hung on to her job, even though she was probably long past retirement. Um, I don't think that the end of her life there should overshadow all of the things that she accomplished uh, in office. She accomplished some amazing things, including she was one of the, the main people behind the federal assault weapons ban, the Lake Tahoe Restoration Act, and she also went toe to toe with the CIA to hold them accountable for their torture techniques. And then she also did a lot of good right here in California, in the state she was representing. She did a lot of work on California's water issues and protecting the state's environmental resources and standing up for women's freedoms, including um, she did author federal legislation to create and sustain the breast cancer research stamp which was the very first U.S. Postal Service fundraising stamp. And on the date of her death, or at the time of her death, the stamp has sold over 1.1 billion times, and it's raised over $96 million, specifically for breast cancer, which is predominantly a woman's issue. And now, let's talk about Glenda Jackson. So I have to confess to all of you that I did not really know who Glenda Jackson was before I started this uh, research for this episode. And she popped up on the radar for this episode and I can't even tell you how impressed I was with her. Um, she was an amazing broad. She was an absolutely stellar actor, first of all, who cut her teeth at repertory theaters in the UK. And eventually she climbed the ranks until she'd won two Oscars, neither of which she attended their ceremonies, and apparently she gave both of her Oscar statues to her mother, who polished them so much that they lost their luster. <laughs> um, it seems like she just didn't give any fucks, and I love it. I love that. Um, and then she stops acting. I'm fast-forwarding very quickly. She stops acting, though, and straight-up cold turkey stops and goes into politics. And she runs for parliament in 1992, and she was elected. And she served as a labor MP, holding that office till her resignation in 2015. And at that point, she ended up going back to theater for a little bit. She did this amazing King Lear, which I'm full of regrets that I didn't know about and try to go see. Um, but she was just astonishing. So you can catch her work, obviously, in film, but also the, the politics part of it, like, I'm just amazed. I'm amazed because not all actors who go into politics are actually good at their jobs and know what they're doing. And so when Cohen comes across our feed, um, I think it's just extra amazing. The next broad that we lost this year is might have invented the word iconic or the word might have been invented about her. I feel like Tina Turner. What? an incredible icon she was, particularly for the boomer generations, like my parents, aunts and uncles. Um, and so younger listeners and viewers, if you're not 
familiar with her story. Hopefully you at least know her music. It's like very iconic in, in the American lexicon of, of great music. If you don't know her music, get on Spotify and educate yourself right now. But the reason that she's on this list isn't just because of her music. It's m more actually because of the backstory of her life. So the short version of it is that she was married to this guy named Ike Turner, who was also her music partner. They performed together and they were this powerhouse duo and they had a string of successful albums and sold out concerts for like 15 years in the 60s and 70s. But it turned out that Ike was incredibly abusive to Tina. He'd throw her around and slap her. He like talked about it on television, like it wasn't even a secret. Um, and Tina ended up leaving him. And there's this epic story where she walks away from Ike with only quote, 36 cents and a mobile gas card. But Tina would end up forging her own career without Ike. So, so their splitting up was not the end of her music career. And in fact, I, like it's safe to say she surpassed all of the accomplishments that they had had together and she became this rock icon. Um, upon her death, President Obama said, quote, Tina Turner was raw. She was powerful. She was unstoppable. And she was unapologetically herself, speaking and singing her truth through joy and pain, triumph and tragedy. Today, we join fans around the world in honoring the queen of rock and roll and a star whose light will never fade. Which is a great quote, but my favorite quote, I have another one. Um, my favorite quote about her came from Miss Angela Bassett, who you all know, you've everybody seen Black Panther, right? She, uh, Miss Bassett played her and almost won an Oscar for it in the film, What's Love Got To Do With It, which came out, I think it was in 92. And Upon Tina's death, Angela said, quote, how do we say farewell to a woman who owned her pain and trauma and used it as a means to help change the world? Through her courage in telling her story, her commitment to stay in the course of her life, no matter the sacrifice, and her determination to carve out a space in rock and roll for herself and for others who look like her, Tina Turner showed others who lived in fear what a beautiful future filled with love, compassion, and freedom should look like." End quote. Our next broad that we lost in 2023 is Pat Schroeder. This is another new to me broad, but not new to, I think, my parents' generation, the boomers' generation. Um, Pat served, uh, was elected Colorado's first congressional district. She was the first woman elected to Congress uh, in Colorado. And she served from 1973 to 1997. Um, and she even ran for president in 1988, which is really impressive. She ran. She ran. She didn't get elected. She didn't get nominated even, but um, she did run. I also want to do a shout out for another broad we lost here. And I'm probably not pronouncing her name right, but Trout LaFriends, who was the last living member of the White Rose. 
The White Rose, some of you may know, but if you don't, was a student-run newspaper that openly defied Nazi rule in Germany during World War II. And longtime listeners of the podcast, you know that we did do an episode on Sophie Scholl, who was another White Rose member. And Sophie and her brother, Hans, were kind of the primary center of the group, founders of the group. But Trout, our broad, was crucial too. And she carried political leaflets and she helped the group gain access to ink and paper and envelopes for all these flyers that they sent out to try to urge all the Germans to turn against Hitler and the Nazis. And Sophie and Hans were executed, uh, if you remember that episode, and Trout was arrested, but fortunately she was freed just a few weeks before her trial, right before her trial, when Americans liberated her prison. And Trout kind of flew under the radar. She didn't talk much about all these horrific events in Germany, uh, in prison, all that. Um, but towards the end of her life, she did talk more and got a little more recognition. On her 100th birthday, on May 3rd, 2019, she was awarded Germany's Order of Merit, which is a high civilian honor. The citation said that she, quote, belonged to the few who in the face of the crimes of National Socialism had the courage to listen to the voice of her conscience and rebel against the dictatorship and the genocide of the Jews. She is a heroine of freedom and humanity. And next, last but not least, we have, and I'm gonna probably pronounce this wrong as well, we have Judy, either Human or Homan, um, Apologies, everybody, who I'm saying it wrong. Um, Judy was an internationally recognized advocate for the rights of disabled people. She's widely thought of as kind of the, quote, mother of the disability rights movement. Um, at 18 months old, she got polio. Uh, she was living in Brooklyn with her family, and she had to use a wheelchair for mobility. And at the age of five, she was denied the right to attend school because she was considered a fire hazard. Later in life, she was denied her teaching license by the exact same school district that wouldn't let her attend. Um, and after passing her oral and written exams, she was failed on her medical exam because she could not walk. She was in a wheelchair. So Judy sued the New York Board of Education and Judge Constance Baker Motley, another broad of ours, uh, she strongly suggested that the board reconsider, and they did. And Judy went on to become the first wheelchair user to teach in the state of New York. And she was absolutely instrumental in the development of other legislation, including the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, the Americans with Disabilities Act, and the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. Her resume is long as hell. That's a very short version of her resume. Um, she was incredible. So I think you all ought to go and read more about her because she was a broad I didn't know much about. And I say this twice like every episode, but I think for real, she'll probably get her own broads episode sometime soon because wow, Judy. Um, and then finally, oh, she wasn't last. Judy wasn't last. I have one more. Um, and this broad, oh, I'm getting the chills thinking about her. I actually listened to her music all night tonight. Um, but we lost Sinead O'Connor. And, you know, 
she's such a quote controversial broad she's very controversial that's what like a lot of people our parents all fucking say that about her um i feel like not everybody knows about her controversy i feel like her controversy that everyone got so upset with her about happened kind of when I was really young. And so people of my generation and younger might not, I didn't know about it until I, you know, read more about it. Um, but for y'all, y'all who don't know, what Shanae did was she was her, she was like blowing up. Her music was off the charts. She was becoming kind of the, the big, the next big thing. And she was invited to go on SNL. This is in 1992, I think. And she goes on SNL to sing. And she brings this picture of the Pope, which apparently used to hang in her mom's room before her mom passed. And she takes this picture of the Pope and she rips it on camera during SNL. And it was a protest uh, against all of the sexual abuse that is ha was happening, that was and is happening in the Catholic Church. That was very, at that point in time in 92, was very hush-hush. Nobody talked about all this sexual abuse. And now, you know, thanks to, what is it, Spotlight and some other more pop culture things that have come out since, it's like a little bit more widely recognized. Um, but that tearing of the Pope's photo made her this huge, like, enemy of the people. And everyone thought she was crazy. And the Washington Times named her, quote, the face of pure hatred. And Frank Sinatra called her, quote, one stupid broad. One stupid broad, he called her. Because she tore a picture of the Pope on live television. And now... Like, as the sexual abuse scandals kind of broke and became more common knowledge, she started to get less flack about it. But she was just really reviled by, like, the entire world who held up this, like, disgusting patriarchal structure of the Catholic Church. And they made her this common enemy. Um, and she didn't really give a fuck. She actually, like, in her interviews and stuff, she talks about how actually doing that saved her career because a lot of people say it ruined her career because she was on the up and up and then she was changed but she says that it saved her career because it stopped her from becoming this like shell of an artist and it really kind of put, brought her back to her roots and it she ended up doing a lot of live performing not as much album not as many albums etc cetera, etc cetera. um but we lost her this year um and that's a huge blow i think to people who knew what was what with her and her protest and knew what she was standing for and also just love and appreciate someone who is willing on public television to just stand up and who just doesn't give a fuck what people say about her. Um, and not very many celebrities, people who get to that status are that brave. Um, and so Sinead O'Connor, we love you and we miss you already. You are... I think a real icon for a lot of feminists. We did lose some other broads. I, you know, I'm not going to talk about Raquel Welch or Lisa Marie Presley or Piper Laurie. Um, notable deaths. Um, I think I'm just more generically interested in some of our feminist icons. So, you know, you can read more about them and all Raquel Welch has done for mankind. Because <laughs> she's on everybody's wall still. Um, 
But anyway, that's my little recap of the bras we lost for 2023. It's it's incredible, isn't it, to visit these little like time capsules in feminist history. I always feel like when I'm I'm looking through all these obits and reading about these women, I learn so much about them and the time period that they, you know, lived in, which was before mine. A lot of the things I learned about aren't things that I I know about. Um, and even just by reading short, like crappy Wikipedia entries, which some of these were, I were just a quick read, um, you just learn so much. So those are the broads we've lost. Um, and a big cheers to them. And they are in our hearts and hopefully we'll remember them forever. But now it's time to segue to some very serious and kind of depressing news. And it's, yes, it is actually more depressing than the deaths of those amazing women, which is depressing. Um, I want to talk to you about, drum roll, we'll do, can you tell I just watched the Chevy Chase Christmas? <laughs> drum roll, the United Nations Progress on the Sustainable Development Goals, the Gender Snapshot of 2023. I, f I feel like some of you might be going, no, I'm going to change the channel. No, stop. Don't change it. This is like the real shit. And if you are a feminist or if you're an ally or if you just love women and if you want the world to be a better place, this is important shit to talk about. Um, I actually labeled this segment in my mind. I labeled it, quote, why we need feminism now more than ever. And I couldn't be more deadly serious about that. So let's dig into the report. Um, the UN report, which by the way, I am also posting on our website so you can pull it up and follow along if that's your thing or read more after the podcast is over. But this report basically tracks 17 different markers of gender equality around the world to give us all kind of a picture of what inequality still exists and how well we're doing to resolve them and how long it will take us to resolve them or how hard we have to work to resolve them in some cases. Um, and each of the markers has very detailed data, and a lot of them also have very specific goals associated with them, and they track the data based on those goals. Um, if you are a number nerd, or if you're just really interested in all these details, I really recommend you pull up the report and you read through it. Um, it's like 36 pages long. I didn't read the whole thing. I kind of did a skim on it. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole thing on the podcast here because that's just a little too much. I do have some self-restraint. Um, but I just want to read over the snapshot part of it for you. Um, just like the little nugget about each of the 17 because I think it's really interesting. And I think it's really important. So let me pull it up. I'm going to read it right from the sheet. So the first goal is no poverty. And I'm not even going to, I'm just going to straight up read the text. Sometimes I try to reword it, you know, so it doesn't sound like I'm just reading. Um, I'm just going to read it because I feel like they worded it this way for a reason. So no poverty. Um, if the current trends continue, over 340 million women and girls will still live in extreme poverty by 2030. Progress will need to be made 26 times faster to reach the no poverty goal by 2030. Goal two, zero hunger. Close to one in four women and girls are expected to be moderately or severely food insecure by 2030. A 
Addressing gender gaps in agri-food systems can reduce food insecurity as well as boost global GDP by nearly $1 trillion. Number three, good health and well-being. Between 2000 and 2020, maternal mortality declined by one-third. Globally, from 339 to 223 deaths per 100,000 live births. But progress has stalled in the last five of those years. So since 2015, that improvement has stalled out. And I'm pretty sure if I remember the details of that one, um, it talks a lot about the rolling back of um, women's rights in healthcare. Number four, quality education. Parity does not equal universality. In the aggregate, girls have surpassed boys in school completion across all levels of education, but completion rates remain below 100. 60% of girls have completed schooling at the upper secondary level compared to 57% of boys. Number five, and this is the big one, gender equality, the big one for this podcast. These are all big. Gender equality. An SDG stimulus targeted at gender equality objectives is key for transformational impact. An additional $360 billion per year is needed to achieve gender equality and women's empowerment across key global goals, including to end poverty and hunger. Strong legal frameworks can promote positive change, but despite progress, 57% of countries still lack laws in all key areas of gender equality, including on equal rights to enter marriage and initiate a divorce. 50, that's 54% of countries still lack those laws. At the current rate of progress, the next generation of women will still spend an average of 2.3 more hours a day on unpaid care and domestic work than men. The gender gap in power and leadership remains entrenched. Globally, women hold just 26.7% seats in parliament, 35.5% in local government, and 28.2% of management positions in the workplace. At this critical midpoint, none of goal five indicators are, quote, at target met or almost met. A mere two are close to target, eight are at a moderate distance to target, four are far or very far from target, and four lack sufficient data to assess at global level. It's a slight improvement from last year, um, but not much. Number six clean water and sanitation. Water is life, yet 380 million women and girls live in a context of high or critical water stress. This number is projected to increase to 674 million by 2050. Number seven, affordable and clean energy. Achieving universal electricity access could reduce the number of girls and women in poverty by 185 million by 2050. Eight, decent work and economic growth. 
only 61.4% of prime working age women are in the labor force, compared to 90.6% of prime working age men. In 2019, for each dollar men earned in labor income globally, women earned only 51 cents. Nine, industry innovation and infrastructure. A mere 17% of inventors in international patents in 2022 were women, compared to 83% of men. 10. Reduced inequalities. Women are twice as likely to report instances of discrimination based on sex and almost twice as likely as men to experience discrimination on the basis of marital status. 11. Sustainable cities and communities. Unless urban planning and adequate housing are prioritized, by 2050, an estimated 1.05 billion women and girls will live in slum or slum-like settings around the world. Number 12, 13, 14, and 15 are kind of put together in this snapshot, um, but it's all about climate change. Um, in a worst-case climate scenario, by 2050, as many as 158 million women and girls globally may be pushed into poverty as a direct result of climate change. Food insecurity caused by climate change is also projected to increase by as much as 236 million more women and girls. Oh, that's a big one. Okay, 16, peace, justice, and strong institutions. The number of women and girls living in conflict-afflicted contexts reached 614 million in 2022, 50% higher than the number in 2017. I'm going to read that one more time because I feel like it's really important when we talk about current events. For peace, justice, and strong institutions, the number of women and girls living in conflict-affected contexts reached 614 million in 2022, and that's 50% higher than in 2017. When we talk about war, when we talk about Ukraine, when we talk about Gaza, and all around the world, because those are not the only places of conflict that have happened in the last year, Women and children are disproportionately affected by these wars. And finally, number 17, partnerships for the goals. Halfway to 2030, aid to support gender equality programming remains inadequate. Only 4% of total bilateral aid is dedicated to programs where gender equality is the principal objective. Funding to gender equality is particularly low in the humanitarian aid sector. And those are the 17 points. And then there's a little extra addendum on it where they also did a special report uh, about older women and how as societies are aging globally, older women are left more or less left behind. One in every 10 women is over 65, and 
By 2050, nearly two in every 10 are going to be over 65. And a girl born in Lesotho today is expected to live on average 54.2 years. 46 of those years will be in good health. Now, a girl in Japan is expected to live 86.9 years compared to 54.2 years. And in the EU, at age 65, 33% uh, will need long-term care compared to the, the 19 percent of men um, it's a really interesting report that one goes on as, on and on as well and I'm I'm not gonna read it in depth here for you but a lot about how older women are affected and how they are left behind by all of all of these things violence against women um, not receiving pensions etc etc so that is the overview of the report of the progress on the sustainable development goals, the gender snapshot 2023 from the UN. Um, and you can tell, you know, they're very thoughtful. Obviously, all of these goals and numbers are kind of, it's, it's a very complex way of gathering data and making all these predictions. Um, and it's also just really, um, it's a real distressing, uh, look at how you know we think we've made progress i mean maybe not so much maybe not so much since abortion rights you know are are at war here in the u.s um but whatever progress we've made so far whatever all these women that came before us have done it's still just not enough there's still so much inequality and so much suffering especially in war zones um but but everywhere and you know, I don't like to end on a downer, but this is kind of a downer. Um, but what I do want to say is, you know, I'm sure nobody gives a shit about like what is on my nightstand. <laughs> um, but I have spent a lot of time, like not on purpose even, um, but accidentally reading um, a lot of books about hope and how important hope is in the world today. And even though I... <sighs> I'm getting emotional. Can you tell? YouTube, you can tell. But um, these numbers are really upsetting to me, especially when it comes to gender equality, especially when it comes to what happens to older women. But I do still have hope that change is possible. And I do believe that each one of us can make change happen every day in small ways. And small ways lead to big ways, and big ways lead to giant ways. And, you know, I know that not all of us are Greta Thunberg, who's doing this amazing, huge work. But every day, the things that we do affect the whole world, including what we teach our children, right? And what values we instill in them. And I want to move into 2024 holding really hard to that hope and knowing that even our small efforts are never in vain and that each one of us can make a difference every day. And I believe that one day we're gonna see better numbers in this report, but I also believe that we got a lot of work to do. And so I am here with you and I'm ready to do the work and I hope you're ready to do the work. And maybe some of that work is listening more to this podcast this year 
and learning about all the great women have done in the world and giving the stories of women equal parity to the stories of the men. We always hear, I mean, that's, I talk about this all the time, but the reason I started this podcast with Chloe and Sam back in the day, now just me, um, the reason I wanted to do it was because growing up in all the history books, all I read were stories about men and what men did in history. And then like Amelia Earhart who disappeared. Like I remember her story. But all these stories are about dudes. And I always ask myself like, well, what did women do? Like women have been around as long as men. What have they done? And the answer is they've done so much, so much. And that is what this podcast is about, is highlighting the stories of women. Not all good stories, not all women are heroes either. Some women are villains. Um, and also the line between heroes and villains is very gray. Um, but that's what we're here for. We're here to tell the stories of women. And I hope, you know, I always say this in the wrap up for the, the podcast, but I hope that you will continue to support the podcast. I hope you'll share it with your friends. I hope that you will like it on Apple Podcasts. And pretty soon we're going to be launching a Patreon. Um, and that will allow me to bring in more guests. So it's not just me talking to you all the time because I know that that gets really old. Um, but I hope that you can consider that as part of your support for, for feminism and for the forwarding of women and moving towards women's equality in the world. Um, because that is what we're all about. Happy New Year, everybody. I hope you had a great holiday and I can't wait to be in your ear holes the rest of 2024. To read the UN Gender Report, see some quotes from this episode and other stuff, head on over to broadsyoushouldknow.com. While you're there, click on over to the About page and read more about me, my bio, my picture, links to my stuff, all right there. Also, are you following Broads You Should Know on social? We are on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube at Broads You Should Know. YouTube, that's new. Make sure you subscribe. And we're also on Twitter just abroad, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. If you are a fan of this podcast, the most amazing thing you could do for us is to share an episode with your friends or family and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps the listeners to find us. It takes two seconds. Just click the five stars. Broads You Should Know is produced by me, Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, if you really enjoyed this episode, then I highly recommend you check out a few of our previous Broads episodes, specifically the Broads we mentioned in this uh, episode, Sophie Scholl of The White Rose and Constance Baker Motley, the judge. Um, and then I also recommend checking out some of our previous year in reviews. We cover a lot of amazing other Broads that we've lost and other issues that women are facing in our yearly recap. So check those out and we'll see you next week for another Broad You Should Know.